Welcome to our last Tuesday of the month book discussion. Just a couple of librarians talking about books we think others might enjoy. August's read is the adult all Iowa read selection, Little Faith by Nicholas Butler. Spoiler alert, we usually end up discussing endings and key plot points. I'm Amy, and joining me today is Candice, adult services librarian at Iowa City Public Library. Hi, thank you for having me today. I'm at the Iowa City Public Library. I work on the info desk. I select part of the adult nonfiction. I do the art to go. I have six cats. Hello. Wow, six <laughs> cats. That's yeah. awesome. I should start my intros with, I have three dogs and a foster dog. I've always said <laughs> that one awesome. dog equals two cats. So uh, we're kind of equal, I think. Yeah, yeah. Cats yeah. I love them, but I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely a dog person. I don't know why we're going off on this tangent, but it happens. Yep, yep, yep. And then that's fine. I still like you. This is good. We got that good. out of the way. Good. So for those who have not yet read Little Faith, or maybe just want a quick recap, Little Faith is the story of a family's struggles within themselves, their community, and their faiths over the course of one year. During this year, it's discovered that Isaac, the six-year-old protagonist and grandson to Lyle, is diabetic and a conflict over his care sparks between his mother and grandparents. This conflict leads us to the climax of the novel and the time that Lyle makes a decision for the family that will forever alter their relationships and their lives. So with that nugget to lead off... Do you have a one sentence kind of like elevator talk if you were going to talk about this book? I do. My sentence was taciturn Midwestern man has a crisis of faith. (laughs) And to me, Lyle is a guy that I know, you know, he's a more talkative version of who my father was. So like right away, that's just what snagged me was, oh, I know this guy. I 100% agree with your initial assessment of Lyle. He's definitely somebody I think a lot of us could know. And there's so much more to the book. So my sentence is really focused on just one part, but he is the thing I immediately sort of recognized in the book. And so I think he's the overarching sort of, I mean, he's a narrator, it's his point of view, but I also saw so much more of it through him, you know, Not that I disagreed with him, but, you know, even though I know taciturn Midwestern man, I certainly, you know, at times wish for other than taciturn Midwestern man. So, yeah, Yeah. so much of this book felt familiar in that way, though. Well, I grew up in Marion, skip up the road, small town. My mother had what I always just thought of, like, she just has solid, true faith, was raised Catholic, had a dad who was, uh, he was a mechanic. So that all rang so true. You know, he grew up in Old Wine. My mom grew up in Denison and other small towns. And so like all these people seemed familiar to me. They all were like, oh yeah, that's like my uncle Bob, or that's like, you know, Aunt Judy. The church elements, the faith elements, the differing faith. So much of this rang really true to me and was just like, yes, all the people who are reading it in Iowa, so many will get this. Yeah. I agree. Because I think the topics and themes explored here are so personal, I think that definitely gives connection and a bigger even boost because we all feel that 
faith, I think, is a pretty very personal thing to discuss anywhere you're at. And he's just so likable as a human. And most of the characters, I think, are that we see through his eyes in the book are all very likable. Even the characters that are quote unquote bad, you still like parts of them, which is interesting when you think about it. Well, is this the author giving us these interesting, you know, facets of these people, or is it supposed to be Lyle seeing the good in some of these people? It's interesting because Stephen, do I have the right name? Yes. Out of the church. Yeah. That Lyle's daughter falls in love with and falls under the spell of is, you know, technically the antagonist, the person who, you know, is the doer of bad things. He takes advantage of people, causes some pretty serious conflict with the family. And yet he's also the person who fixes up Hoot's car and gives him literally the best day of his life and does it because he wants to. Yes. You know, and has these friends who come to his aid. He's like, hey, come do this thing. And they show up and they do it. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely also just a reflection of like real life, right? Mm-hmm. We have good experiences with people who, you know, we may not end up seeing eye to eye with or who we always like or think are good people. And whether that is through the author's eyes or through Lyle's, either way, the experience was still kind of universal there in that way. Humans are complicated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag complicated relationships, right? Yes. Speaking of complicated relationships, so the relationship between Lyle and Shiloh, his daughter, there was just this quote that I really thought encapsulated who Lyle was. He is in his head, I believe, saying, he says, how do you disagree with someone you love so fiercely? And he just seems so passive and almost lacking in passion. I don't know. Their relationship was very interesting to me and the way he engaged with her. Yes. And I think, again, it's sort of, I don't know if I almost identified too much with this book that it made my understanding of it too connected to my own upbringing. But right away, I was like, oh, yeah, well, that's what happens with daughters and fathers. You're close when you're a young person. And, you know, it's your dad and you need them. And then you start to become your own person. And then they don't know you anymore and everything falls apart. And then you never have a normal conversation again. (laughs) So to me, it was just like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it goes. In my adult life, I have learned that that is not always how it goes. (laughs) That was my own experience. (laughs) But yeah, you know, it's just this part of the growing up is sort of, you know, you branch out and you find your own things. And in this case, Shiloh finds some things that are very foreign to them, you know, about the most foreign, even though, I mean, he does love her immensely and he he loves her child and he wants nothing more than for them to stay there for the rest of their lives. And that would be perfectly fine with him. And yet, you know, with this deep love and it's clear he absolutely loves his grandchild, like Lyle is the best grandpa ever. But the interaction between him and Shiloh clearly is lacking something, the communication, the inability to say what he wants to say and you know of course so he's terrified to do the thing that makes her leave which she does anyway and so you wonder like well should he have spoken out more or is you know 
is that not available to them? I don't know. But yeah, something about the relationship just isn't right, but we don't quite know. Yeah, we don't get her perspective at all in this book. Mm -hmm. Were there any chapters in this book that we had another perspective or was it all Lyle? I'm trying to remember now. Do we not get Isaac's perspective when he puts the seed in Lyle's belly button? Is that the only Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. (laughs) And I, you know, that caught me off guard. I had to go back and read that to be like, okay, am I reading this right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Pages. Yeah. But yeah, we don't get Shiloh's perspective. We just know that she behaves this way as a kid and then she goes off and then she comes back and never talks about it, which is an easy out. Oh, she never talked about it. So we don't know. Yeah. Although Um, to be fair, I mean, that would probably take the story (laughs) off like (laughs) another end. Like, so maybe was a good choice not to explore it. But yeah, as a reader, I'm definitely like, oh gosh, I want to know more about Shiloh. Yeah. What happened? Like, did she already have a penchant for following kind of extreme religion or did something else happen? We do hear about her interaction when she goes to meet her mother and then her mother passes away, her real mother. And she goes to stay at the house and we find out that the husband nearly assaults her. That was such a strange moment in that book for me. And it, it was one of the moments where I really felt like all of the reactions in this situation are not true. It felt so untrue to me. Her blasé way of saying, yeah, I took care of it and high five. And the dad saying, oh, that's my girl or whatever. And I was just like, wait, no, no, no. You have to have a conversation about this. Yeah. This isn't how you resolve this. That's interesting that you say that because I read that and I was like, I can see where if they don't have a very close relationship in this moment, that would be their go-to. Yeah, I can see true. that being a go-to yeah. when they can't be vulnerable in that moment. And she yes. obviously does not want to continue that conversation. And I think yeah. she kind of sets the tone and pace for that. And I think when people experience trauma, that that can be a very real way for them to have those conversations. So they're giving a truth, but they're not having to relive it in the moment. But I do see that that would be a conversation they could have had. Yeah. And I guess that's what I meant by not. It's definitely their truth and their way of reacting. I guess what I wanted was, A, I wanted it to be different. I wanted it to be, but of course it's not because this is who they are. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see wanting more of them them to like use that moment to connect. Yeah, yes. And I guess it's just a thing then that points out how incapable they are of doing that. You know, here's a father who does love his daughter and can't quite respond in the way that, you know. Yeah. You want a father too or something. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that we as a reader hope that there would be something there, but Yeah. Did you have any moments in the book that kind of stood out to you as feeling, I guess not true is not the right phrase, but something that sticks out in your mind is this is troubling to me, or I guess maybe more indicative of this is who these people are. I think there were a a number of moments between Lyle and Steven that I really wanted 
like some pushback. Like I really wanted them to engage in a different way. And it finally yeah. kind of started happening towards the end a little bit where mm-hmm. Lyle was just like a little more assertive in the way that he was talking with Steven. And also like you really want them to push back against what's happening with Shiloh at the same time, like you can hear the other pastors, Lyle's friend who was like, Charlie pushed. Yes. Charlie. Who's like, you can't push too hard. Mm -hmm. You can't push them away. And so as a reader, I had that in my mind, but I really, I just wanted so much for like something to happen sooner. Yes. I mean, it's truly like a slow burn. It's the slowest burner book I think I've read. And then it's explosive at the end, yet inconclusive. But yes, his interactions with Stephen, like we get a little bit of that from Hooch, thankfully. Hooch kind of calls him out on some stuff. And, you know, in a half jocular way, like he's not, you know, making Stephen leave his home, but he's certainly making it an uncomfortable-ish situation, which I liked. But that's Hooch, you know, he's, He'll do that. He has nothing to lose from it. And he's going to say what he wants to say. Yes. This is that through and through. But yeah, otherwise they just sort of hold steady so that they can keep whatever close relationship they have with Shiloh, who really dictates so much by using Isaac as this thing, you know, oh, you do this, I'll take him away. Mm-hmm. Which is just agonizing. Yeah, I can't imagine that kind of pain that that leverage would cause in a relationship. And the way that Isaac, true to being a six-year-old, really has no understanding of that. And and I think Butler did just a great job with portraying Isaac as well. I think sometimes authors have a very hard time with how do children act? <laughs> uh-huh. What kind but. of questions do they ask? You know, and he has him asking just great questions. He fleshes out his characters really well. Yes. So well. I think he puts the right number of like limitations on his insight. You can see why Lyle adores him, yes. even if you couldn't see it from Lyle's perspective necessarily. Yeah. Even if you were maybe watching it from outside, you could see why that connection is there. Can we talk a little about Isaac's a sort of sense or I don't know how far you go with spoilers. Let's do it. Let's okay. talk about big spoilers here. Yeah. people. <laughs> so, you know, Stephen and Shiloh believe that Isaac is a healer. I sort of want to believe Stephen when he's saying, I saw him do these things. Even at the time where my scientific brain is like, well, this or that, that that's what happens or even placebo effect or, you know, a person's own internal faith could produce these things. And then you get that chapter or not even a chapter, maybe just few pages from Isaac's point of view where he's saying like, and he doesn't even have quite the words to say it. He just knows that he can soothe people or help people and people come to him with something he knows what to do. That's his basic understanding. And then he's putting that apple seed in Lyle's belly button, which plays out later in that wonderful dream. Yeah. So what do we think? I don't know that Butler's giving us, he's making no decisions for us in this part or the ending. Yeah. Which many readers seem so frustrated with. 
I think it's beautiful. I think the way he does that is just like masterful. And I love that about this book. Yes. And, you know, I think it just all circles back to the whole point of the book. But I mean, as far as whether or not I think that he seems to have this ability to, to heal people, I think I have the same issue with my logical brain being like, this is hard to kind of remedy with, I guess what I ended up chalking that up to was his ability for compassion. And I think that maybe in my experience, there are people who can really convey that and really, like you said, soothe people. There's also like that idea in the back of my brain that, you know, There are things like compression therapy that we have, you know, service animals for. Mm -hmm. And there are like studies that show that there are certain things that can be very soothing. I myself have anxiety and I had a dog who he wasn't even a service dog. He was my dog. He was my close companion. And if I was having a particularly bad anxiety attack, he would come lay down next to me and I could just pet him and focus on my breathing. And it helped me through that. So I think in my brain, that's kind of the conclusion that I came to Mm -hmm. personally for that. Um, But it is fascinating to think about him as a character being able to do that. Yeah. Well, it makes me think just as you were talking, just how I suppose a reader's interpretation of both that part and the ending depends on your own sense of faith, I think. Nicholas Butler's created a very adult choose your own adventure (laughs) (laughs) where your perhaps your interpretation is well yes because I believe that those things yeah yeah I have a very questioning faith but in a good like positive like lots of questions and I feel like first of all the title of the book little faith it just makes me think of oh ye of little faith you know what was said I'm not even going to remember who it was said to in the Bible, but just that a few times when people are doubting that Jesus can do miracles, somebody says, oh, ye of little faith. And so my mind, that's what the little faith is. And the whole time reading this, all I kept thinking of with Lyle was because Lyle is constantly noticing the most minute details about everything and he enjoys them. He gets happiness and peace and enjoyment out of all these details, the sun, the leaves, the change of seasons, the way the river flows, the smell of things. And in my mind, I'm like, God is in the details. Mm. You know, this other phrase from the Bible that shows up so often that Lyle is faith might already be there, even though he doesn't understand that as his faith. And I think that's kind of where I relate to it too, is that it's both questioning the cosmic nature of, you know, can this all just be a coincidence? And then all, you know, just the details of everything. How could there not be something kind of behind the works? But as to what that is, no clue. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of, I think my interpretation of it kind of comes from my own sort of thoughts on it. Yeah, he's so detail-oriented and he loves it. It's all he wants to do. He wants to lay in the snow, wants to lay on the ground, eat the apples. Think about the seasons. Think about the orchard. Think about work. His, His love from just toil. Like he's already got it. He just doesn't see it, maybe. He is very much an in-the-moment person, and he kind of feels connected spiritually, definitely. Yeah. And it seems like he is a very spiritual and connected individual, but the way that he views that, yeah, like you said, maybe doesn't connect him directly to 
a specific yeah. yeah yeah there's so much to think about with the book there yeah. is In some ways it was a really simple book I thought it was a simple like not simple bad but just here's a story about this family and bad things happen to them and they have to kind of come to terms with that and you know act upon it and then it's just got all these other things though to really think about all the different I felt characters and their different manifestations of different faiths or things like that it was really rich in that way and again the vocabulary just his descriptiveness the authors was amazing it didn't feel labored like you can sometimes feel like as you're trudging through kind of lots of big words or whatever but it it did not feel that way right I agree yeah Yeah. and it made me want to eat apples (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah um apples and ice cream there's so much ice cream in this book (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is delightful really when you know to think about it yeah so it was the all, all Iowa reads correct yes but yeah, I think it's just a wonderful pick for that. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely reflective of a lot of themes, a lot of values that you see across the Midwest. And just like you said, just the people that you can see. Is there see a in dog there. in the book, though? There's no dog, is there? There is not a dog. <laughs> Seems like there should be. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I feel like maybe he replaced the dog with a character. I feel like Charlie is very loyal and dog-like. He had so many good stories. All the sub-characters also. Great. I really liked Charlie. I got to say, I think Coot was my favorite just because he was just so... Oh, yeah. But Charlie is also great. The perspective that he gives and kind of the role he plays in Lyle's life as a friend, but also as somebody who Lyle views as a authority figure kind of in religion and faith is very Mm -hmm. interesting. At one point, he's kind of like, what do you want me to do? Like, your faith is in your hands kind of thing, which I thought was You're the one who's come to me. That should tell you enough. Yeah. Yeah. I loved how as the authority figure and as the pastor that's not Stephen, that Charlie is so well-rounded in his willingness to look at all aspects of belief and, you know, recognize you don't have to be just from this church or just from this type of belief. They're all valid. Mm -hmm. I liked them. Yeah. Just his story that I think resonated with Lyle about the whales, right? It was Charlie's story about the whales. And like, I was like, oh my gosh, that's like a perfect it all just came together beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It makes me want to read it again, actually. Yeah. You know, I listened to the audiobook for this one. And if you are an audiobook person, it was fantastic. Okay. The, the narration was lovely. So I would recommend this as an audiobook as well if anybody reads it or okay. wants to listen to it that way. It had a good voice. Yes. Right. Great. So we talked about the ending briefly, but did you want to talk more about how you interpreted it or are you good on that front? I thought it was a really beautiful ending. Kind of the whole part that starts with him going to Charlie and then the whole saving the orchard because it's going to freeze. And then the dream 
not just a dream. Like, you know, that's where my me comes in. I'm like, no, there's too much. It can't just be a dream. There's too much, you know, overlap between what, you know, Isaac has done in the previous chapter. And then also though, did he have a heart attack? (laughs) You know, he's got the, the pain in his arm. You know, there's so much that happens in that last, what, maybe third or quarter of the book. It's like a swell. And then we still have no resolution to either, well, to anything really. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the big questions are, first of all, does Lyle survive? Which I'm tempted to think he does. Did he just have a moment of regaining his faith? Does he know something now or believe something that he didn't believe before this? And does Isaac survive? As soon as you read what comes, you know, the author's statement and you go and look that up. It's certainly not based on a story where a child survives. It's very much the opposite. Yeah. He didn't do that. Story or for the reader. I don't know. Now that you're talking about whether or not he survived the heart attack, I guess my brain, maybe (gasps) as a pessimist, I was like, I don't Oh my gosh. And then because I thought, okay, well, the end, maybe they both are then together. Yeah. Then, then I was he like, wakes oh up my and gosh. talks to who's there? Char- no, Otis. Who comes and finds him laying in the orchard? I think you're right. I think it was Otis, the owner okay. of the orchard. Because yeah. originally he was not going to come out because he was just like, you know. Whatever happens, happens. If it happens, it happens. But then he yeah. came out and found him there. But that's a good point. But Lyle is saying, you know, can't we stay a little longer? Part of me wondered if, you know, being too literal almost, perhaps, you know, Isaac is in his coma and was Lyle sort of joining him in some limbo or some sort of thing and he wakes up, wants to go back to it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It definitely leaves you hanging, but I still found (laughs) it satisfying. Like I still found it a good wrap up to the end. Yes. So. Yes. I felt that it left possibilities for whatever a reader might want to find. Exactly. I think that's really what we want, right? We want the ending that we want and leaving that open for folks, I think was definitely a good way to give us kind of that satisfying. Yeah. A little belief or autonomy. I suppose some people might say, you know, for Butler to sort of bring up all these topics and then not resolve them in some way might be kind of unsatisfying or perhaps the duty of the author, but maybe I'm getting a little soft. I was fine with it. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's all about what you are, I guess, um, looking for. Right. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of, I guess that's kind of the point of faith, right? Like what are you, what are you looking for? Um, What do you need? need? Yeah. And it all just, was very reflective, I think, of kind of what I think he was maybe even trying to s- talk about with the book or have other people talk about. Like, yes. he wants people to engage in a conversation. And I think that, that yeah. this book definitely helps people do that. Yes. Did you ever read, <laughs> kind of a segue here, the book, The Shack? <laughs> yes, I believe so. so. I think so. It turned into a TV show or a TV movie, I think. And so my mom loved that book. 
I've read part of it. I think it's very didactic. You know, it's very much, you know, it's kind of a made for Hallmark kind of thing about a person who meets God and, you know, has had troubling things happen. And I, like I said, I haven't even read it, but my mom loved that book and was always a devout Catholic and just had incredibly true, strong faith. And a few years ago was diagnosed with a bone marrow cancer. And even during that, like at times was angry at God, but never strayed. And she went through a stem cell transplant and was in a coma for six days. She still had like full brain activity, but was like completely unresponsive. And I started reading that book to her because I knew she liked it. So I was reading it to her in the hospital. At times, this book came close to sort of reminding me of that book in terms of like people who are interested in faith or who have faith. It would be a great conversational book. She passed away. I wish she could have read this book. I think she would have absolutely loved it. And you're right, like it would be that great sort of, it brings up so many topics that are great for conversation. And I wished when I was reading, I'm like, oh, I just wish mom and I could have read this. Like it would have been a great way for us to talk about faith <laughs> as a person who like didn't enjoy going to Catholic church and hasn't gone for a long time. And, you know, then I studied anthropology and theology in college. So like had lots of things to tell my mom. I thought I knew all the answers, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, I wish I could have done that a little bit better. This would have yeah. been a great book for us to breach that sort of difference in faith. Yeah. Definitely. I feel that. So overall, for sure, a great book for conversation, folks, if you're looking yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you need to patch things up with your mom, <laughs> get her a copy of this. <laughs> so on that note, there are a couple of books that I would recommend if you've enjoyed this book. For those at home, The Logger Queen of Minnesota by J. Ryan Stradell. Um, that sounds delightful. Yeah, very much a very similar feel of there's people you can recognize in your everyday life, probably in these books set in a small town, mm-hmm. all those kinds of great feels and revival season by Monica West. Those are my two uh, <laughs> um, yeah. recommendations based off of this. I'm going to put you on the spot and see Candice, do you happen to have any recommendations? Well, aside from the shack, which... <laughs> kind of feel like if Nicholas Sparks had written this book, that would be the shack. (laughs) Wow, being put on the spot immediately. I can't think of anything. I think your recommendations are good. Thanks. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for joining us and thank you, Candice. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, I'll be back in August with Mike from Corville Public Library to discuss Lost Children Archive by Valeria Lucielli. And we hope you'll join us again.